Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Bridges Live presents Voices to be Heard, the edition of Domestic Violence Conversation. I'm Dr. Paul Dyer, and my co-host here is Miss Lynn Twyman, and our other co-host is Sister Mara Randolph. She is not with us today. She will be with us November 2nd. We'll have our next show. Remember, November 2nd, 7 p.m., we'll have our next show, and she will be here. She's a busy woman. All these women who come on my show, they're just, they're tremendous people. They're tremendous, they're spectacular, but more or less, they serve. They serve their community, they serve a purpose, they serve for passion, and things get pulled in so many directions for people who are serving others. And I I always state this before, we need more people, we need more human spirits to serve others and not themselves. But with that being said, Lynn, introduce yourself to the rest of the people and we'll get right into Voices to be Heard. All right. Well, greetings, everyone. I'm Lynn Twyman. I am the founder of a program called LASERS, which stands for Leaving Abuse, Supporting Everyone, Restoring Survivors. And our motto is targeting domestic violence holistically. So LASERS is a domestic violence prevention education program that infuses um, the aspects of trauma and healing and accountability for victims and abusers alike. And I'm also a survivor of domestic abuse, childhood and intimate partner abuse. And I have actually gotten to the place in my life where I am pleased to tell my story, knowing that it's going to help free someone else. As we get into relationships, I mean, this has a lot to do. This all has to do with relationships, our relationship with ourselves, our our relationship with people. I bet the conversation comes up. I know it does for men that they don't talk about it. The violence you survive through, should that be brought up? Can it be brought up on the first date? Like the first mm-hmm. conversation over coffee. Hey, I like you. Pretty hair. Gorgeous woman. You're so talented. Blah, 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 blah. Right? We get the coffee. We get the thing. Hey, by the way. What do you think of that conversation? So I think it depends on how the conversation flows. Okay. Um, And that is going to depend on your date, for example. I think asking some very basic questions such as, you know, um, kind of uh, what kind of family dynamic did you come up in? Were you raised with both your mother, your father, or grandparents? Um, were you brought up in a single parent home? What were those dynamics like? I think those types of questions are, are, are definitely okay to ask on the first date along with the sibling dynamic. And um, just trying, trying to keep everything on a very, very light note in the beginning. But 
really by the second date, if you feel that this is somebody that you definitely want to pursue, asking some more pointed questions, just like the one that you posed is very, very important. What do you, I mean, what's a, what's a pointed question, I guess? I mean, cause that's, that's, cause that's, I mean, no, we just can't come out and say it. I mean, I do it with, I did it with kids. I have nine kids. That right. usually that usually gets the jets for a woman to go the opposite way as fast as possible. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I personally don't have a problem with asking those kinds of questions on the first date. Okay. I personally don't. I know a lot of people's comfort levels though are not as in the same vein as mine, for example. So isn't that, but isn't that the tell sign then? Isn't that okay with being okay with that's just what this is? Or should someone just give them a, you know, give them a chance and I, I don't know. Well, my approach has always been get it out on the table the first time. Okay. Know and understand who you're dealing with in the very beginning. If you're idea is commitment if your idea mm -hmm. is longevity if your idea is really not to waste anybody's time asking those kinds of questions are very important i think in the beginning how they're asked and so being able to learn more about the family dynamic can give you at least a very soft insight into a person's background and what they have experienced and then by the second date to have some more um, hard-hitting questions at hand prepared and actually prepare the person and say you know um i i'm for example if the intention is to look for a relationship that's committed term um to say hey listen i you know i really like you um you know would like to find out if you see the potential in us being long term and if so there's a few things that I want to ask you. I, I don't I, I don't know. I kind of think before even asking, is there is there what do you see? Because the answer is yes. I mean, it's it's always gonna be yes. I mean, with that question it's gonna be yes. Because I I don't want to I don't want to not say yes if this is a great thing I want to be involved in. Mm -hmm. So, so if I just say, Hey, let me tell you the short story, you know, we can get into particulars later, but I'm a, I'm, I'm a domestic um, survivor. I'm a for domestic abuse. I'm a survivor um, mm -hmm. from a young boy to an adult age to, to now. And, and, and that, cause you're, I mean, if we're going to ask me most of probably know something about you a little bit about maybe your, career during the daytime when, until you put on your other cape. But then how I got here is this, you know? Mm -hmm. And then if they did something, they Google anything, they're going to know that anyway, right? Yeah, this Be is true. Because you put it out there. It's not like right. it's, you know, so it's all over your laser webpage. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. So if, if, with that being said, why 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 wouldn't we ask right away 
So in, in the case where, and I'm, I'm, I was speaking from the perspective of your, your average person. Okay. 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 So, so trying to meet the needs of the audience listening to this. Yes. So, so, so everyone doesn't have a webpage talking about their domestic issue, right? Their domestic violence issue. You're right about that. Right. So, right, right. Not, not everybody has that. So can, so instead of giving the particulars, can we say we're, so we, we would say if we were a breast cancer survivor, Wouldn't that Mm -hmm. or a cancer survivor? I'm a cancer. I'm a prostate cancer survivor. I just want you to know that. I mean, that's something that is. That's that's a life's journey. I mean, right. Absolutely. And and the thing is, when we talk about relationships and what we've experienced in the past, domestic abuse. It is important to, to put things like that just out on the table to let people know, hey, listen, this is my experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because we have to get to the point where we're not ashamed to talk about the issue. We're not ashamed to talk about the past, but also knowing and understanding that we're here in the present. Mm -hmm. I'm happy or, you know, the other person across the table or whatnot sitting next to you. But just giving each other that reassurance because at the end of the day, we have to get to the point where we no longer carry the shame. It's just, but it is, but it is matter of fact. And these past experiences do have a bearing on us. Right. They do have a bearing right. in terms of how we relate to one another, in terms of how we see the world, in terms of how we react to things. And so. And how we hear things. And how we hear. And say yeah. things. Mm-hmm. You know, people say things through trauma that they right. don't know they're speaking through trauma. Mm-hmm. I don't want my woman to work. Sounds crazy talk. You're not Fred, you're not, you're not, you're not, we're not the Flintstones. So what mm-hmm. are you talking about? You better explain yourself real quick before I leave, right? Well, I just find it probably because they've seen their mother work so hard. They didn't want they they couldn't do anything about their the mother. I'm thinking of like myself as a single mom. I didn't you know seeing my mother work so hard and that took a a mental twist on me and how she related to the world. I did I didn't like seeing that. So I, I so I stipulated myself when I grow up, I'm going to make sure I can take care of a woman like no one took care of my mom. So that plays that message over and over. So then when I find my partner, I get adamant about, I don't think I want you to work. And if they don't understand where they came from that recorded tape that they got to that place, then they're speaking, not because it's a kind thing to do or some type of heroic thing to do, but they're talking from their own past experience and trauma. Yes. And those things are the reason why it is important important to have context, right? Yeah, yeah. So on the first date, yes, like myself, you, Dr. Paul, you know, we're kind of like the exception, right? Because our work is out there. We talk about our past experiences. You know, we share with our community. This is how we help other people reconcile and to help heal that inner child, right? Right, right. But right. for your average person, that doesn't have like a public profile and is adamant about their past experiences and what they've dealt with. Mm -hmm. 
I would say like initially when you're meeting a person, get to understand what the basic family dynamic is, right? You might want to limit the date, you know, to maybe a good hour. Just, you know, meet and greet. Hey, nice to meet you. Okay, we got some energy going here. This is wonderful. Then by the follow-up date, okay, we know that there's a connection. I definitely want to see you again. Now I want the I want to have the opportunity in a safe space, you know, to kind of go into a, a little bit more with you. I want to find out more about you so that I can understand more about your experiences. Like you said, how you see the world, how you hear the world, how you experience the world. And I think that that's a great approach because now we're setting the stage to create and you and people listening, you can say this, I'm creating a safe space. Right. You know, I want to create a safe space because so many of us have been through things Mm -hmm. and it would be, you know, very naive of me or very careless to to believe that here you are, this perfect looking person and you haven't been through anything. That's just absolutely absurd, right? That you don't have any trauma associated with you. And to your point, it's important that we do allow each other the safe space to be able to talk about past experiences because it does help us. And I love what you said. It helps us to understand how we hear, how we hear, how we take in information, how we're translating it. Um. You, you mentioned something called the, the inner child, and it, and it kind of brings me to a process of understanding that when someone, when a child is neglected, and it doesn't matter what the cause is, and, 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 and I think sometimes we get so bogged down on how can we do that to a child? Okay, enough of those words. It, it happens, it's happening, it's continued to happen, and until we as a community stop it collectively, really, and that's what it takes. But the child does grow up physically, mm-hmm. but the child may stay hidden because it needs protection from the physical form. Yes. You want to talk, let's talk about that inner child. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, the, the, the whole concept of the inner child it's where it's that time in your life in a person's life where everything seemed to be okay and great and then all of a sudden this trauma happens this adverse experience happens and now you're frozen in time and you're stuck yes in that space you're stuck with all the negative emotions flowing through. And then what happens is, is that that inner child never heals. Yeah, never matriculates. Right. And so it stays stuck with the memory that's embedded at the cellular neurological level mm-hmm. within the body. And so let's say, for example, and I'll take from my own personal experience, growing up in a home where my parents argued all the time and the hollering, screaming, crying, the breaking of dishes, just a lot of loudness, a lot of anger, a lot of frustration. And so I realized that one of the things that I didn't like was to hear elevated voices. Preachers in your typical, you know, run-of-the-mill African-American church where they're 
you know, hollering Jesus and, you know, you know, and all of that. And I realized that that was something that wasn't pleasing to me. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, we do have to ask ourselves, is that really healthy? No, at the end of the day, elevated speaking for constant, you know, minutes and minutes at a time. Yeah, that's, that's really not healthy, but that's another story for another day. (laughs) So with that being said, you know hold on someone's inboxing us right now i think it's the whole catholic minister community (laughs) they're screaming on our on this feed right now they're like she just heard out she just heard our clan she just (laughs) (laughs) but i agree i agree i agree i agree you know and so you know growing up with that And I remember just putting the pillow over my ears or turning up the television in my room or doing whatever I can to block out the sound, right? And so years later, I realized that I don't like elevated voices. I think that there's a much better way for us as humans to communicate with one another than speaking loudly unnecessarily. And here people when, uh, thanks Lynn for really talking about that experience, but it, it's, it's tough when people hear things only in their se- they separate the context of what you're saying. I didn't grow up in a household with screaming voices, so that doesn't apply to me. Okay, well, let me bring it home to you. What if you grew up in a home that they just talk negative about everything? I, it, it, it doesn't even matter if it, we're not even talking about it's about people. We're talking about the weather's always not so good. Um, I don't like my boss and the the coworkers and the place, just the the traffic. All that you bring home is a considered to be a natural conversation for families, and it's not natural for children. Mm-hmm. Let, let me put it to you again: the things that you talk about with an adult may be common to an adult. But to a child's ears, and what's, what do I definition? What do I define as a child? And I'm going to tell you this by by the way the brain works. Anything under ten, anything under ten, until you're able to have what you call real cognitive development conversations with the person saying, "Well, son, daughter, the reason why I was talking about the traffic is because traffic is this, and this is what I mean, and I felt like I wanted to get home and and be with you know." You got to put it in context. Instead of just complaining about this, that, and the other thing, and the dog, and the high grass, and the neighbor, that's also a very negative upbringing for a child to grow up. They're going to look through life lens as a negative lens. So I hope that helps people put that into context so they can understand what kind of household did I grow up in? And ask yourself the question, not... Did it affect me? Because I'm already telling you it did. Ask yourself, how did it affect you? That's all I'm saying. Right. And that's a really, really good example because a lot of times we think about the most horrendous things, right? Right. We do think about arguing, fighting, um, physical fighting, Mm -hmm. you know, all different levels of um, physical abuse, including sexual And then yet for those that say, well, none of that happens to me. But to your point, was there a lot of negative talk around you? Did anybody in your home have anything good to say about anybody 
you, you know, you as, as a child, for example, if all a child hears is all the bad things that they do, mm-hmm. that they grow up with a, a feeling of, I can't do anything right. right. So somewhere in the midst of talking about how terrible the weather is, or we don't like our box or whatever, how much as adults now, no matter what age we are, are we speaking positively? And I'm going to put it, you know, right at home, not only around our children, or our loved ones, but how much positivity are we pouring into ourselves? Yeah, yeah. Because, because at the end of the day, that's yeah. where it starts. And that's also abuse. And that when we talk about domestic violence or domestic abuse, we're talking about self-domestic abuse. We create we start out creating self abuse and then allow the others to continue, and I think that's something that we we talk about too. But that's that kind of goes back to that inner child, understanding who you are as that child and what you've developed into. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and so we carry all of these predispositions with us mm-hmm. into adulthood. Okay. So let's break down a few things. When we talk about domestic abuse, it's not just physical abuse. Right. That's an easy one to go to, to talk about, okay, well, I saw my mother and my father beat on so-and-so or beat on each other. So this is one of the reasons why, you know, I fight now mm-hmm. because this is what I've seen. Mm-hmm. But um, it could be the flip side to that. This is the reason why I won't stand up for myself either. Right. Because you have fight, flight, or freeze. Mm-hmm. Those are the three different modes we often go into when we have experienced trauma that has that is unresolved. And so some people fight. Some people, they just run away from the problem instead of trying to find a solution. And some people just don't do anything at all. They just clam up. You know, I, I talked to a, a woman once. We, we were on a show. And remember, this is Voice to be Heard. And this was a... She was talking about the domestic abuse that she grew up she grew up with, but didn't know it manifested to when she met her husband. And it was mm-hmm. this that went on for fifteen years, okay? He was this is how it started out. I mean, she didn't realize it was abuse until she realized how many things she couldn't do. But he would always go with her shopping. That's nice. He would always mm-hmm. open the door for her. Well, that's gentleman like. He would um, make sure that all the bills were taken care of. There you go. A man's taking care of me. He's, he's on time. You know, what is it? He's no scrub. I, I think I, that was at TLC, right? And then. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Did I just tell him my age? <laughs> so he, you know, he goes to all the events with her and. He, you know, he likes to buy her nice clothes and lay out clothes for her and and take her to events and and make sure that she's got nice jewelry. But this continued on for years. So there were small things like, I'm getting ready to go out with my friends. Well, why do you need to go with them? Can I come? Mm-hmm. So, so now there's no separation. Mm-hmm. It's that little small nuances of control that she didn't pick out until things got like I really just want to go wherever and he was like I don't like that and and it was shocking to her but all this time she said she never realized he was controlling her in a nice way you know 
Yes. And couples, people have to have time apart, whether it's a few hours or maybe a weekend, a weekend trip with a, another family member or, you know, some close friends that are not going to get you in any trouble. Right. But right, just res- responsible, you know, fun outings. Those things are healthy. They're important because before two people come together, they were individuals. And so there's still a level of individuality that doesn't cause injury to the relationship that is still necessary. For example, uh, I, I enjoy meditation. I need time to meditate. You know, I need time to enjoy the things that I enjoy, whether it's reading books or listening to my own music, whatever the case is. And then going back to the example, though, there's a reason why that man felt the need to have so much control over his mm-hmm. wife's life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is, for example, an individual whose inner child right. hadn't been healed. And also for the woman, she didn't think it was that big a deal because thinking of a child when maybe her parents didn't allow for her to develop as an independent person. Mm-hmm. You know, where are you going? I don't mean, I don't remember the neighborhood or the, the environment she grew up in, but so, you know, protective, caring, protective, like don't, don't play in the street till, you know, I have to come with you. So all that seemed naturally caring when an adult did it to an adult because she had it done to her as a child. So again, those dynamics of that child comes out into your persona as an adult from the inner child to the adult. And also too, thinking about the lack of example Mm -hmm. in a parental figure. Mm -hmm. So whether your mother or father was present and neglectful or whether they were just totally absent all these things contribute to the struggles that we have as adults mm-hmm. when we don't have healthy examples mm-hmm. so again um you can have a parent present in the home but they're neglectful so then that neglectful example and that neglect you feel mm. the inner child is always looking yeah. for some type of comfort yes So you go into your adulthood and it can manifest in different ways. It could be uh, different levels of addiction, whether it's pornography or substance uh, misuse or overeating or undereating, whatever the case is, or addiction to having everything so perfect. Like you have to have everything perfect because you want to be in control because the inner child felt like didn't have it. Their environment wasn't in control. And so over the years, what I've what I've had to learn is, you know, my parents didn't have all the tools that they needed to have a healthy relationship with themselves, let alone each other, and then to display that to me. And so over the years, I've learned how to get those tools and I learned how to apply those tools, like listening to programs like what we're doing today. Mm -hmm. Doing training. Yeah. You know, that's 70s, 80s, 90s, even now, just there is a lot of benefit for shows that we do here, Voices to be Heard, um, talking about domestic conversations, right? And that's domestic violence conversations, because there's a difference between always talking about abuse. We're talking about domestic violence conversations and, and, and how it manifests in different ways. There, I just really remember one book that parents had was to, to raise a child, and that was like Dr. Spock. 
it, it that was an old book that parents had, mm-hmm. and I've read the book. It's 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 small. It's minimal. It seems common sense now, but there wasn't a lot of conversations on how to raise a healthy child. It was to raise a child to survive, and that was what was seemed to be so hammered on. I know in my black family, in my mom, the swan song was "Don't let it beat you down. You gotta, you gotta rise and move forward." So it was this push to make sure that you're not ever beaten. You know, it's almost like anti-slavery talk. Don't be beaten. You know what I mean? Beaten by what? You know, don't let them beat you. Who's them? No! no. <laughs> right, right. This, this imaginary, it's, you know, this imaginary entity that at the end of the day, what are the tangibles? What, what yeah. does this look like, mm. right? Is this a person that um, bullies you? For example, if you're saying, you know, don't let them beat you down, you know, for like we go into the workplace and we don't ever expect to have um, maybe a supervisor or other coworkers sabotage us. But then when we get into the situation, it's like, okay, something's wrong here, but I can't put my finger on it. Right. But I know that there's something wrong. And so this is what happens when we become grown adults the african-american sixth sense right yeah i know something's wrong but i i can't uh... can't put my finger on it and so when we have when the inner child isn't healed and whether it's Mm. whether it's physical abuse sexual abuse verbal abuse emotional abuse financial abuse you know living in poverty is something that so many of us have had to struggle with too, the feeling of being less than. Mm -hmm. So then we overcompensate as adults and we spend way too much money. We we don't manage our money well, you know, or... Or become a miser um, and spend very little. Or spend very little, right. And so understanding and knowing, back to your first question of the evening, which is, you know, how, how... how soon do you talk about being a survivor? Um, we have to get to the point where we acknowledge that we are survivors. Thank you. Yeah. We are survivors. We're survivors of mm-hmm. uh, historical domesticated abuse, mm-hmm. systematic domesticated abuse, and then for many of us, abuse within our homes. Right. And being a survivor is not a bad thing because no. actually it's like joining the club. Yeah. The problem <laughs> is, is yeah, we just got to take, we got to remove this, the stigma and the taboo because if we're going, if people are, are going to be in relationships, no right. matter what level of relationship, intimate, yeah. friendship, yeah. colleagues, mm-hmm. okay, business, and people are interacting on a, on a day-to-day uh level they're they're leaning on one another to get the job done they're leaning on one another to have a well-running household you know that's loving and nurturing or uh, a romantic relationship that develops over time right understanding the background and the and and those certain levels of detail are important that way, coming into the conversation or interacting with the other person 
I can now hear you differently. Yes. I can see you differently. I can treat you with compassion and understanding and empathy because now I understand when you say, I don't like something. Right. I can. Yeah, we don't have to look at you and say, what you talking about, Willis? You know, what you talking about? Like, what you talking about? Like, what do you mean you don't like this? Right. You know, get all in a, in a hub. Because it happens like that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, And so, you know, women, I think, you know, talking about the dynamic between men and women, too, in terms of the inner child and in terms of how we're assimilated in society culturally. So women are taught to to really open up and and we are we historically have been given spaces to cry. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's expected that we that we will do that. Men, on the other hand. Often are not seen in the same light and are not given the space to cry. Matter of fact, and I so, think it's, they're given the opposite. They're They're giving what I mean by the opposite space, they're giving such a narrow view that if you do, then you consider yourself not capable of dot, dot, dot. Right. You know what I mean? And that you're yeah. right. And that you're weak. But the, but the truth of the matter is one of the reasons why women are so resilient is because we allow ourselves that space to emotionally release, mm-hmm. which gives us the strength and the ability to reset and to take on a new a new leash on life or to tap to tackle the issue again or to even tackle it differently because now what we've done on a physical level is we've moved the energy up and out, out. that's the reason why we cry is a re- reason why tears flow from here mm-hmm. you know if you've got and I don't want to I don't want to gross anybody Go out ahead, but no. if but but if you're pissing on yourself, right. that means you're getting ready to pass out. That's right. Okay? But if you're crying, this means now that you're releasing and you're becoming more aware. You're not passing out. You're becoming more aware. Your senses are being heightened. Right. If you're pissing on yourself, you're yeah. getting ready to fall yeah, out. Yeah, you're okay? done. Matter of fact, you're, done. you're probably already done. You're falling over because it happens. Right. Yep. Yeah. And for anybody that might be confused about what I just said, I'm not talking about incontinence. What right. I'm talking about is fear. Yes. You get so fearful that literally you piss on yourself yeah. and you pass out. The body okay? releases because it has to. It yeah. has to. Yeah. So your body is going to release one of two ways. Okay. And so the important thing is, is that men need to understand that crying is okay. Crying is a tool. Crying is is the ability to move that energy up and out so that you can reset. And when you take the moment as a man to cry and then think back on the inner child, at what point were you violated or mistreated or neglected? And if it happened a few different times throughout your life, it's okay. Take that seven-year-old child. Take that 10-year-old child. Take that 15-year-old teenager and hold that teenager close and say, man, you're okay. Yeah. This is a process that I had to go through. But this is something, too, that they teach us in the field as well. Mm-hmm. And I kid you not, it works. I've had to hold the 22-year-old the twenty-two year old in me. I know. And tell the 22-year-old, okay. listen, you're okay. Yeah, I got you. 
I got you. And I, it, regressive therapy I've done with people, and I've done regressive meditation with people. And, and, and before we go into that deep forest of internal self, I tell people, they say, how is this going to work? I said, because of my energetic level, I'm able to lead people into the their internal and pr- use protection. So, because when you open yourself into that type of meditation state, there's still outside evil forces that can enter your body. So right. I got to put that protective shield around you. And I said, your inner child is calling you. I, you need to relax enough to hear that voice because they've been calling you forever, however how old you are now. Mm. So, and you don't know which child is calling. It could be the, if you're 40, it could be the 20 year old. It could be the seven year old. It could be the 10 year old. And when you get there, you just can't go, what are you doing in that, under that, that table? You better come on out of here, boy. You, you just got to sit with it. And then when they, when that 10-year-old you trusts the 40-year-old you, you guys will intertwine and meet, and your heart will be full and complete, and that and that dumping of that energy starts to come up and out of you, and it'll explode into tears and revelation, and it'll be almost like an instant flash of whoosh, of mm-hmm. you gaining back your life from all those years missed, from when that boy was beaten into that corner yeah yeah absolutely and we have to get to the point no matter what our career is how much money we're making how little money we're making whatever the case is whatever our dynamic is Mm -hmm. to address that inner child because too many of us have just been operating on close to e Yeah. yeah we've just been going by to get by or getting by to go by however you want to say it right we have just been, we've just been just going from one thing to another, to the other, to the other, and never stopping to address the real issues mm-hmm. that are happening internally that we've been running from. So primary example, when I lost my first child, um, I knew that there was something completely and totally wrong. Mm-hmm. I had wanted, I wanted to give up on life. That's a short, mm-hmm. short explanation. I wanted to give up. So I went and did therapy for a year. I realized that when I was going to therapy, it wasn't just about me losing my child. There was something else brewing inside of me, but I couldn't put my finger on it. Mm. I just knew that there was something else that needed to be addressed. And I'm grateful that I forced myself and took accountability and responsibility to do that. Because after the year was up with my therapist, yeah. we really didn't have much to talk about at that point. He was, and he leaned back in his chair one day and he said, so tell me a little bit about your relationship with your father. And the floodgates Just at that crack. point opened up. Yeah. And yeah. I knew it was there the whole time, but because I was dealing with Did the you? loss of my child, I needed to get through that, which was the, the the catalyst, if you will, for me to unravel the rest of my healing. Mm-hmm. And so what we have to do is sometimes the universe or the great spirit, whatever a person you know prays to, mm-hmm. right? Whatever the listeners pray to. 
sometimes situations or circumstances will come up in our life that's really meant for us to, hey, pause. You need to listen. You need to pay attention. Because if we keep going and we don't address it, we will be on that pathway of self-destruction. And and that and, and in that destruction is the violence that keeps repeating itself in the relationship. What relationship? When I mean the, I mean all relationships after the. <laughs> Whether it be right. the with me, the with them, it's it's the relationship. So mm-hmm. pick you and your dog, the cat. Sometimes I tell people, because I have a pup in my dog, people say, I just don't understand, you know, how well your dog behaves. I said, it's your relationship. Mm-hmm. And they, they look, I said, how did you develop your relationship? If it was, you know, it's all about relationship. Yeah. Right. And, you know, it's interesting because you mentioned about um, a dog, a cat, horses, equine therapy. Mm-hmm. A horse will not listen to the command of the person guiding them, instructing them, unless that person is calm and confident. Yeah. Horses can feel and sense a person's anxiety and fear levels. And so equine therapy is a great way for individuals to start, you know, working through all those different layers of anxiety and emotion and, and begin to get those under control. Which again is all tied into those residual, the residual aftermath of what the inner child has experienced yeah. from trauma. I, the reason why I'm laughing, people, and people you can't see on the podcast where you can get all your podcast stations on iHeart, Apple, wherever you go, you get your podcast station in. You can just put in Bridges Live, Dr. Paul Dyer, and the show will pop up. Voices to be heard on this night, Tuesday, 7 p.m. But I ride horses. And, I do too. And, and as we're riding, we had these conversations. We had said this once in a group of us. Horses should be the ones that are in court. Because in court, if a horse <laughs> goes and starts neighing and, and blowing, they're lying. <laughs> right. Because when a horse right. starts doing this, something's wrong. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, and you know, and that's the wonderful thing about understanding yeah. how important it is to be in in control of not another person but of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because if the if an animal like a horse or a dog can sense a person's energy, mm-hmm. then how much more our loved one, our friends, they can sense the same thing too. So it's important that we do we're real with ourselves. From the jump, coming into any relationship, right. that we're real and we're honest with the individuals and say, hey, listen, just want to let you know, not trying to go into all these details, mm-hmm. you know, because I'll tell you some of the stuff is pretty negative. But, you know, I, I came up from this kind of background. This is what it is. You know, I hope that over time we can both share each other's experiences, learn from from them. And if there's a way for us to be able to help one another heal, let's do that. Let's do that. But we got to be able to, uh, you know, understand that it's safe in and of ourselves to be that way. Because here's the other thing. Because of so much damage that's been done to the inner child, many of us are afraid to open up. 
yeah. for fear of judgment. Mm -hmm. And what we have to do is let go of that fear. Yeah. And and we can no longer allow the fear from the past to control what we do today. Because if a person doesn't get to know who we are yeah. in the relationship, then all these surprises start popping up later on. And it's like, you're not the person that I thought you were. Well, actually, that person is. Right, right. It's just either they didn't disclose or the right questions weren't asked at the time. So it never, it just it, never came out. Not it up. Never it never came out. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. if a person doesn't feel safe, they won't feel comfortable coming out. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. This has been, I love, we, we talk every other Tuesday at 7 p.m. Voices to be heard. We talk about domestic violence conversation. I'm Dr. Paul Dyer, and this is Ms. Lynn Twyman. Lynn, tell people how to get a hold of you again and lasers and tell people about lasers. Absolutely. So, again, I'm Lynn Twyman, and my organization is LASERS, which stands for Leaving Abuse, Supporting Everyone, Restoring Survivors. And the website is www.wearelasers.org, and that's spelled W-E-A-R-E-L-A-S-E-R-S. Dot org, Thank you, everyone. If you have any questions or anything you have um, for our next show that you want to talk about, and if you just want to tell your story, there is a call-in number. I will give you that call-in number. You just have to text and say you want to call in. I'll give you that call-in number. And you can call into the show. You can be anonymous, and you can tell your story. Because I just, you know, ultimately with everything, you're just not alone. Don't think you're suffering in silence ever, ever, ever again. Just come and tell your story, and you'll feel better. I promise you. Now, and then after that, there are other steps. But for now, just to know that your voice will be heard here. Thank you so much. Everyone, Have a, stay safe, stay blessed, stay compassionate, and stay with love. Lynn, anything before we take off? Well, I just appreciate you, um, Dr. Paul, for everything that you do. Um, thank you for taking on the issue of talking about domestic violence, especially during the month of October, right. which is Domestic Violence Prevention Awareness Month. And uh, I meant to tell you, I enjoy your background as well. Love the background. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you guys have a blessed evening. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.